HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's show is sponsored by Bob's Red Mill, employee-owned and operated and founded on the principle of good food for all. Learn more at bobsredmill.com slash podcast. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Welcome to Feast Your Ears. I'm Harry Rosenblum from the Brooklyn Kitchen. Join me every Wednesday as I talk with people about what they do and how it influences their personal food stories. This is a show about people, life, and food. Today's episode 86 of Feast Your Ears, and in the studio with me is the first of what I hope will be a long line of political interviews. Omar Vaid is running for the New York 11 congressional seat currently occupied by Dan Donovan. The district covers all of Staten Island and the southern part of Brooklyn, including Bay Ridge. Staten Island is an island of red in a sea of blue that is the greater New York area. Omar plans to change that. Yeah, that's right. Thanks for having me. <laughs> uh, Omar's a union member, uh, following in the footsteps of his father, who was also a union member. And Omar believes that immigrants and unions both make this country stronger and that people like Donald Trump and Steve Bannon are working against, not for the American dream. That is correct. Thanks, Omar, for joining me. Thank you. Uh, just, just to touch base on unions, if you have Spectrum, pull the plug and honor Local 3, which has been on strike for over 200 days. Thank you. Yeah. So, uh, so I would love to. I would love to talk a little bit about your uh, your background, and then what led you to sort oh, of sure. throwing your hat in the ring, so to speak, uh, yeah. to join the congressional race. I feel like, uh, for me, growing up and you know becoming when I turned eighteen and starting to vote and feeling like it was important to vote in every election that I possibly could, mm-hmm. running for office was never something I ever thought about. Same here. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what brought you to uh, to throwing your hat in the ring for? I'm Mr. just a, I'm not a politician, just a totally regular guy, not a lawyer. And I'm a Muslim American of Indian heritage. I've lived here in Brooklyn pretty much my entire adult life with my partner, Mary. We have two rescue dogs. And uh, I'm just, yeah, I'm a union worker, an IATSE member in the film industry. 
And after the presidential election, I started to feel like I might have something unique to offer in politics. I mean, I, I think that's great. And that, to me, is sort of part of the American dream, right? That, that you do have something, that someone does have something unique to offer. My kids have become obsessed with the musical Hamilton. We've, yeah. we've not seen it live, but they can sing all the songs. Mm-hmm. So we've been talking a great deal at home about the founding fathers and Mm -hmm. how the sort of country came together. And, you know, they weren't politicians either, right? We were very lucky, um, our country, in having these awesome founding fathers who believed in secular government, uh, you know, very much democratic ideals, keeping the church out, um, and, you know, really just, you know, focusing on our Constitution and and this, this wonderful document. It was, you know, so carefully crafted and yeah. If, so if you do get elected also, you will be, I believe, is it the third Muslim American member yeah. of Congress? Is That's that correct? Right. Yeah. Um, and your family is Indian. Yeah. Gujarati. Yeah. yeah. Um, and your parents, you're second generation? Is that yes. right? Yes. That's right. My parents are immigrants. Yeah. And uh, of course, that is a major thing, too. It's the um, to protect immigrants right now, to protect uh, Muslims, Jews. I mean, just to protect everyone. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so... Yeah, there's a um, uh, sort of uh, the reason I, I the thing that I'm excited about talking about is especially immigrants and the type of food they bring. Absolutely. And uh, we benefit so much from from that every day. So, so. Yeah, certainly. So so when you were growing up, I mean, you uh, you grew up first uh, outside uh, Chicago in Glenview, Illinois. Mm-hmm. Um, was that a place that had a lot of Indian food? Uh, that I probably was the only Indian in my school. <laughs> <All right. laughs> probably the only one. <laughs> And I guess I never thought about it. I was always treated, you know, I, I, my schoolmates were all diverse, and it never really occurred to me. I mean, of course, I guess you know you look different. It's an identity thing. But I was always yeah, treated incredibly well and was on the basketball team and just totally normal, all-American. Sure. You know. And then later you lived in Jupiter, Florida. That's right, Palm Beach so County. So a little different than Chicago. Yeah, you Certainly can. different weather. Yeah, uh, very close to Mar-a-Lago. Okay. Um, <laughs> and so I got to see how that Palm Beach uh, wealthy sort of um, country club type live. And it's um, it's very interesting, I, I would say. There's a lot of talk about taxes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tax relief. Yeah, sure. Um, and so, uh, I mean, you know, you bring up, you bring up taxes. Um, I listened to the mayoral debate last night. There was a lot mm-hmm. of talk about taxes and okay. surpluses and budgets and things like that going on. Uh, I don't know if you listened to the debate. I found it very interesting that it was very New York to listen yeah. to. Uh, everyone talked really fast. Mm-hmm. In the debate, in their answers, <laughs> rapid fire, which I feel like is not, you know, watching the. I felt a little bit, you know, back during the presidential uh, debate season uh, that they talked really slow, mm-hmm. and I sort of, I forget that we in New York New talk York really fast, quick, yeah, yeah. quick wit. <laughs> um, so, I mean, you know, as as far as taxes go, I mean, uh, so people who I guess would identify as more wealthy, we're talking more about taxes, mm-hmm. um, but taxes also affect immigrants. Oh, of course. Yeah. And also, of course, immigrants pay their fair share. Yeah. I mean, or under the new tax plan more. Yeah. Well, <laughs> unless if you make over 800000 I think you, you start to see a dollar off your taxes. Yeah. Otherwise, you will pay more. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you yeah, know, there's a uh, there was uh, Steve uh, in the White House. They were just recently busted that they were trying to hide a they were trying to bury a document that proved immigrants put in over 100 billion over a decade in, in actual 
you know, toward the economy, yeah. that, that they don't draw away. They, yeah. ben- they benefit us. Yeah. You know. I mean, I, I was looking before the interview also uh, researching some statistics on unions in New York. Mm-hmm. And the sort of, I think that a lot of people, when they hear unions and when unions get trotted out on the national political stage, mm-hmm. certainly it's a lot of white males. Right. Uh, but in New York City, that has actually changed a lot over the over the last you know couple of decades. Absolutely, that there is a much higher percentage of union members who are not white. Oh sure, sure. I mean yeah, yeah, minor, uh, minorities, and of course are represented very heavily in unions. It's it's very diverse. And what I love about unions is that they don't care necessarily what you look like. They care if you can do the job. It's a hard job to be a type of rigging electrician or a teamster, and if you can do it. You're okay. I mean, one of the things that Mayor de Blasio mentioned last night in one of his answers in the debate had to do with the fact that when he started, most city workers weren't under contract. Right. And now they all are. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, he's been very good. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm, I'm a fan of de Blasio. Yeah. So <laughs> I have to protect uh, de Blasio. Yes, so. indeed. <laughs> well, and he, I mean, I think he's working to protect us yeah. to a certain extent, right? I mean, I, I, I so. think that, you know, New York is an, an interesting uh has an interesting relationship to the rest of the country in that I think lots of people look to us for a lot of things and to be kind of leaders. Um, and yet we also kind of can decide that we want to make changes in different ways. Some of those being food related, right? Oh, absolutely. You know, the New York department of education, uh, is the second largest spender on food behind the U S military in the United States. It's amazing. Um, and they've made some great changes. Yeah. So I think there's a lot there's a lot to be said for that. Um, let's talk about food. Yeah, let's uh, do it. But let's talk <laughs> about, you know, um, growing up. I mean, you know, did you, did, was food a part of your immigrant experience as far uh, as maintaining a connection to culture? Absolutely. As a kid, I wanted pizza and my parents wanted to cook biryani, right. you know, and I was like, great, well, we can't have pizza. And so I grew up on, you know, like that. It wasn't until I got older. I, I, I looked back in college and said, God, I'd like to eat my parents' house again. Right. Which happens sometimes. And um, yeah, so for us, it was uh, just to, uh, I always like to say, like, my parents are, I guess, more in the Pakistani cuisine, which is uh, just the difference is meat is usually Pakistani. Often Indian cooking is is truly vegetarian. And uh, ghee, the, the, you know, the butter, emulsified butter is like a big, a big part of why. Indians don't live to, sometimes there's a joke, we don't live past 50 <laughs> because of ghee. <laughs> I hadn't heard that. I, so, I had the chef from Babuji yeah. uh, on the show a couple of weeks ago, and, and we were talking about the use of different regional Indian ingredients, but I so, hadn't heard that. Yeah, my parents were like, oh my God, we have to stop using ghee because of cholesterol. They become American <laughs> immediately. Oh my God, cholesterol, I can't no more ghee. And then I'm very against um, too spicy, which is, you think I'm crazy. Yeah, but. I thought that was interesting when in, in, uh, that you mentioned to me earlier that, uh, you know, that, that your one pet peeve about food was that it was too spicy. I, th- yeah, I was in South Africa. I have a whole family there and they made this amazing, like these gigantic uh, eight, six inch prawns on the grill and they were so spicy. I couldn't take a, I, one bite and I, that was it. I couldn't, I couldn't eat anymore. Well, and, and I think there's also, I mean, there, there's also, I mean, like that wasn't in America, but I think there's also, there's an American obsession with like the hottest of the hot sauce and how yeah. hot is this pepper and how, you I know, reject that. Yeah, I mean, me too. I mean, it's not, I once, uh, in my twenties went to a Thai restaurant with a couple of other people and we had, you know, we were, we were a couple beers in before we sat down for dinner and definitely kind of got into this, like, Oh, I can eat spicier food. Cause I grew up eating, you know, Mexican food in San Francisco. I can eat spicier food. Cause I'm from Texas. Yeah. We got into this whole thing. And of course we turned to the waitress and we said, make it as spicy as you can, which was really <laughs> stupid. I mean, that was just not, 
Yeah. It was not an enjoyable culinary experience. Uh, you know, when I eat with my uh, my Irish American friends, at the blandness of the food, I, I see. I find that comforting. Sure, because I grew up around too spicy, so I want it to be as bland as you know Irish bar food, please. So, um, and and you mentioned uh, that you know, so you used to live in Bay Ridge. I'm um, a yeah, former resident. Of Bay yeah, Ridge. and that and that uh, you know, should you win the Democratic primary uh, yep. for the for the seat that you would mo- you'll move be moving to Staten Island. I will move to Staten Island. Um, and the very first thing that you said to me as we were conversing before the show was actually where you're going to get to eat when yes. you do that. I mean, so you originally moved to Bay Ridge for the food. Yeah, there's a, a whole thing of Bay Ridge nativism, of course, which is like the honor of having been born in Bay Ridge and Staten Island. There's the same thing. And I actually sought it out that I, I found out Bay Ridge was where the best Lebanese food was to be found, uh, the finest, you know, there's wonderful Italian food. So for me, I, I became this food tourist like many of us in the city, like, you know, we've talked yeah. about. And I was drawn to all this that, you know, I can choose every night between Turkish or Arabic or Italian. And that was it. I I moved to Bay Ridge for food. Yeah. I mean, you know, I hadn't really thought of I'd never uh, thought about it in that way. But I think that's one of the reasons I moved to New York City, aside from the nightlife and the opportunity to go to museums and sort of all these things. And for, you know, at the time it was a dollar fifty. You could go anywhere (laughs) in the city or whatever. Um, you know, the opportunity to eat all these different foods and to live even in a neighborhood like Williamsburg, where we both live, sure. where, you know, you can have Japanese food one night and you can have killer pizza the next night. And then, you know, you can go and you can eat the delicious food, the Brooklyn Star and have Kino's Texas style, you know, oh, stuff. Yeah. And you can get it all. Yeah. And it's uh, and when you go back home, you know, like in my case, we go back to, you know, some part of Florida. It's not the same. Yeah, as you know, we just we're also. I mean, the things you find in Queens, it's just there's you know there's so many varieties of food. Absolutely. So. Well, we're going to take a short break and hear from one of our sponsors here at Heritage Radio, and when we come back, we will keep talking about food. Great. I don't think there's anybody worthy to run this company but the people who built it. I have employees who've been with me for more than 30 years and plus each and every one of them deserves to be an owner. That's just the way it ought to be and that's just the way it is. This is Bob Moore. He and his wife Charlie started Bob's Red Mill almost four decades ago. Today they offer one of the largest lines of organic whole grain foods in the country. And in 2010, on his 81st birthday, Bob gifted ownership of the company to his employees. I'd received plenty of offers to buy my company over the years, but selling out never felt like the right thing to do. When the time comes to let someone else run this show, I can't imagine selling it to a stranger. Giving the company to my hardworking employees just feels right. The company now has an Employee Stock Ownership Plan, or ESOP. Stock is put in a retirement plan for all of its employees. When employees retire, the company buys back their shares. According to the National Center for Employee Ownership, about 11,000 companies in the U.S. currently run as ESOPs. It just shows how much faith and trust Bob has in us. That's Bo Thomas, the company's engineer and maintenance superintendent. 
He's been with Bob's Red Mill for over 27 years and has put his four children through college in the process. For all of us, it's, it's more than just a job. And, and obviously, it's the same way for Bob, too. Bob is still very active in the company. He's the president and CEO, and you'll find him working at the mill just about every day. Because when you love something this much, you want to be a part of it. Well, I may have given them the company, but the boss part is still mine. Bob's Red Mill is committed to sharing only the freshest, best-tasting whole grain foods on the planet. Learn more about their mission of good food for all at bobsredmill.com slash podcast. Welcome back to Feast Your Ears. I'm Harry Rosenblum. Today, I'm pleased to have Omar Vaid in the studio with me here behind Roberta's. Omar is running for Congress here in New York and is hoping to become the uh, representative uh, for the New York mm-hmm. District District 11, uh, which, mm-hmm. in, if you weren't listening earlier, includes all of Staten Island and a part of South Brooklyn, uh, including Bay Ridge. So before the break, Omar, we were talking about uh, about food and, mm-hmm. of course, and, and immigrants. Um, and you mentioned to me about a Sri Lankan restaurant. That's right. Yeah. In Staten Island that you know of. I've never, I can't say that I've ever eaten Sri Lankan food. So I really want to know more about it so I can go check it out. Yeah, so this is great. Uh, take the Staten Island Ferry. And you'll have a great time. It's one of the best, the finest views of the, statu- of the Statue of Liberty, incredibly close to. And uh, Laco- it's uh, Lackawanna, uh, which is 668 Bay Street. And it's, uh, yeah, it's one of the finest Sri Lankan restaurants. Uh, you'll be greeted by these massive golden doors. And when, when these doors open to you, you're going to find, like, stunning, uh, like, wood-carved everything. Like, the menu is this gigantic three-foot <laughs> wow. three piece of carved wood. <laughs> With the with it's printed on the back. I mean, it's like breathtaking. Uh, the the detail and there's a the New Yorker covered it. There's a museum in the basement now. Oh wow! Yeah, so Staten Island uh, has the largest Sri Lankan population. It's lucky to have and uh, the Sunday buffet is amazing. Oh, that sounds. I mean, now that sounds like a great Sunday. I mean, my you know, having lived in New York a long time, I feel like Sunday mornings. I think of two different things. I either think of like bagel and locks. You know, or like smoked fish spread, kind of like Russ and Daughters style, or dim sum. Like yeah. those are like my two like New York like. Oh, what are we doing Sunday morning? Oh, let's get dim sum, or like let's you know mm. get some smoked fish. But this sounds awesome because you can take the ferry, get a yes. you know nice like boat ride. Which you know if you have kids, I mean really I like fun. a boat ride yeah. too, but my kids love a boat oh, ride. And these big orange boats are yeah. beautiful. And then uh, you'll find egg curry, which is I've, I had never even hmm. I had never had deviled chicken, papadum, and for dessert a gooseberry uh, mousse. Um, and then the, um, let's see, the lamp rice is, the lamp rice is, um, it's rice, meatballs, curry, lentils wrapped in a banana leaf and then baked. Wow. And when it opens, it steams. Oh, it sounds the, so good. The banana, yeah. So it also sounds like a place you want to go with a group. It's not like, I mean, like, I mean, it'd probably be fun for a date, but it might be more fun with a bunch of people. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. If you have like, you know, six or whatever, yeah. it's even more fun to do this thing where you get to Staten Island and you do this walk down there and it's just, it's a really fun thing. And uh, I know a lot of New Yorkers, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a chance to, to do all that, yeah. to you know, ride the boat and everything. Um, and then if you're lucky enough, uh, if you're into Italian, on the South Shore is uh, some of the, the finest Italian food. Yeah. And so there's uh, Patricia's, which we have one. There's a Patricia's in Brooklyn. Yep. But there's also one in South Shore, Staten Island. Um, and uh, Giuliana's is another one. Hmm. And these you'll find, um, I mean... At Giuliana's, you'll find like a pappardelle prosecco, uh, the long flat pasta, 
mm-hmm. and it's uh, sautéed with grapes, raisins, and a champagne cream sauce. Nice. And uh, the gnocchi a la cognac, potato pasta with cognac truffle sauce, diced chicken, mushrooms, and mozzarella. Rad. Yeah, so... Staten Island also has a, has a special place in my heart uh, as far as food goes. It was the first place that I ever... Uh, went foraging for morel mushrooms oh for um i had a friend who who took me foraging in a uh in a a secret location uh in staten island it's very morels um this past spring and it was you know it was i mean you know i met him in a parking lot and we start walking through the woods and you know suddenly we came upon this like great spot that was full of these delicious morel mushrooms so uh, yeah also the south shore staten island is incredibly uh there's a, a huge woodsland yeah it's very woodsy uh, for hiking, and there's a, it, you know, it's you're in New York City, but and, you'll see a deer go by. And not for nothing, I mean, you know, when I was a kid, Staten Island was known as being where all the garbage went because it did, right? I mean, we had a big landfill there, but that's not true anymore. No, and that is no. now that's now closed and is now a beautiful park. Yeah, so there's these incredible. I mean, there's camps and incredible parks, and so yeah, it's it's that's it's amazing urban foraging. Yeah, <laughs> that was it was a lot of fun. Um, I'm curious to know how food fits into your campaign or how you see it fitting in. I mean, I think there's sort of two sides to it. I, I definitely, you know, there's lots of political dramas on TV. And so you see these people jet setting around running mm-hmm. from thing to thing and drinking tons of coffee. And, you know, and I have to imagine that it's hard, right, to eat. It's like being on the road. If you're doing film and television, you've well, got to find food where you can. Well, it's, it's amazing because you can go, uh, I mean, you can go to the Halal restaurant in Staten Island and sit with all your constituents and, yep. and, and talk, you know, to that specific community. And then go, uh, the, the bridge, the Verzano, right on the other side is Bay Ridge. Yep. You'll find Pani Antico, another amazing Italian yeah. place, uh, famous for bread. So it sounds like you're going to be actually eating a lot I'm going to gain, hopefully <laughs> gain 20 pounds, yeah. I mean, what a great way to bring people together, right? I mean, that is the natural way to do it. Yeah. You know, I, I always have found these sort of political rallies while, you know, they, they are a good photo op and it allows you to speak to a large group of people at once. Um, they always feel to me a little like they, like they can be kind of disingenuous mm-hmm. and it's really one-sided, right? Yep. I mean, it is, it's, it's just, you know, stump speeching, you know, and kind of talking at people where if you sit down to a meal or even mm-hmm. just a cup of coffee yeah. with a bunch of people, that's much more valuable. Yeah. And it's fun. Yeah. And I think it should be fun. It shouldn't, you know, it should be out there. You're, fun, you're having fun. And then of course the, we talk about bringing people together, which is like unity is the most important thing right now. You know, we're, we're divided in many ways and, and the immigrant experience and the food and something you've never tasted or heard of yeah. and trying to figure out how to cook it. And, 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 you know, it's, it's sort of accepting that your neighbor in such a, in such a positive way. Right. And it, it's, it's especially like in Bay Ridge, uh, you have Tanurin, which is an, sure. an incredible, um, Arabic restaurant and, um, and again, Penny Antico and yeah. then you have, um, amazing Turkish like Hazar. And so uh, I, you know, for me, chicken shawarmas are something that's very, like, very important to me. And so, uh, yeah, being able to find all this stuff is definitely wonderful. Do you, uh, you know, when you, I'll say when, because I hope that you do, in fact, become elected. When, when you get to Washington. When, when elected. <laughs> when you get to Washington. Um, how do you see your role as a New Yorker, but also as a member of a voting body that's making decisions for the larger country? Like a New Yorker in 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 Congress? Yeah. Like 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 what is you know, what is your role? Obviously, you know, I, I was looking back at, at uh the current uh the current congressman Dan Donovan's record on mm-hmm. voting, and you know, obviously 
you are voting as a representative of New York State, but there are Absolutely. sometimes issues that come up that either are more important or less important to well, New Yorkers. For us, I would say the biggest one is like um, on the South Shore of Staten Island, we're talking about all these amazing Italian restaurants. And a lot like uh, you know, one of my constituents, Jill in Staten Island, has a two-hour commute each way. Wow. And so to me, bringing another ferry to the South Shore, improvements in mass transit to Brooklyn and the Staten Island side, uh, I don't want to buy Texas a new wall. Right. I, I think if Texas, <laughs> Texas is free to build a wall, but they should pay for it. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm so thrilled to give Texas help with a hurricane relief, uh, without question, any dollar they need. But uh, yeah, they should build their own wall. And uh, Dan Donovan, who I'm running against, and uh, Michael Grimm, who may challenge him. Uh, yeah, they, they think, you know, they've already authorized $10 billion, the first amount of $67 billion. And, you know, we want the R train and the N train and <laughs> to all run spectacularly. Yeah. And then we can get to our food quicker. Yeah. <laughs> so like, and that, and, and I mean, that came up a lot last night in the mayoral debate. That's like a $400 million cost. So we're talking yeah. about, I oh. mean, a very small cost to in fact, positively affect way yeah. more people, at least I believe, than so, building a wall on the Texas border. So part of my campaign is talking to people in this, in South Shore, Staten Island and all over that, uh, in the more red territory that, Hey, um, you guys, you know, this fear of, I don't know, immigrants or Mexicans, I, whatever it is, it's holding us back from having that, that new ferry or that new yeah, train sure. or that improvement or whatever can cut down on our commute. And again, Texas can, they can pay for their own wall. Right. We shouldn't, I don't think we should pay for it. <laughs> I think, I think, I mean, I think that's a, I think that's a really good point. Yeah. And yeah. then, and then how do you, um, you know, how do you also take into consideration, you know, so it's, it is representing those specific constituents, but then it's also representing to a certain extent what's right yeah, in the world. Exactly. And uh, also for New Yorkers, uh, I mean, like for climate, climate action, you know, you know, so that's, it's incredibly important for us. You know, we're surrounded by water. Yeah. And so Hurricane Sandy, you know, hit, hit Staten Island very hard and, you know, a lot of Long Island. Well, and those repercussions are ongoing. I mean, they're going to close the L train. Yeah. which is going to affect, you know, those of us that live in this neighborhood. Yeah, the R was devastated for a while sure. because of Sandy. And so, yeah, we, you know, we want climate action. We want to seize on the, the economic opportunity of, of, of solar and wind and, and the future. And so being a New Yorker, I think, would be amazing, you know, that to, to bring these New York values of, uh, you know, we're, we're all very accepting. We live very close to each other. We live very efficiently. And I, I think that's, it's key to have. Yeah. To, I've always had this theory and I've never, you know, it's never, I've never been able to kind of test it or bear it out, but I've always had this theory that New Yorkers or people that live in like major urban areas are very similar. In fact, even though we often don't think of it that way to people who live in rural places mm -hmm. and that we are more similar to one another than either group is similar to people who live in the suburbs. <laughs> and, and one of the, what I mean by that, and one of the reasons I sort of theorized this has to, has to actually came from waiting for the subway. I got to sort it. of feeling, feeling like, and now it's very different. I mean, this is going back almost 20 years when you didn't know when the train was coming. Right. Right. So you got down to the platform and you were on your way somewhere and it's like, well, I'm here until the train shows up and I get on it and it takes right. me where I need to go. And I am beholden to some other force. Mm -hmm. That particular force happened to be the MTA. Right? Mm. And if you live in a very rural place, you are beholden to things like the weather. Yeah. That you can't, you know, or if you are, say, a farmer and you were going to go out and harvest and you know that it's going to pour rain tomorrow, you either have to do it today 
or you have to wait to yeah. do it at another time. And that you are you are being affected by that, where my sort of sense, and I don't mean this to anyone who loves the suburbs and who lives there, but I don't mean any offense, but my my sense of living in the suburbs is that you want full control. And that you're mm. like, well, I get to take, I get to get out of my house with the air conditioning and I get in my car with the air conditioning and I drive to a parking space that's close to the mall and then I go into the mall with the air conditioning and that everything is under my sort of control to be the way I want my life. Yeah. And that there is something almost... Um, I find it, you know, a little bit liberating to be like, well, here I am on this train platform and I have a book or I have some things, something I'm working on or I have someone to talk to and I don't have to get worked up about the mm-hmm. fact that the train isn't coming because it's out of my control. Yeah. Part of it, I think, is being stuck in a car, commuting in a car all day. And it, it, it probably makes you, you know, it makes you crazy. Yeah. That it's, you know, you're, you're stuck in traffic and you know, it, it aggravates you and health anxiety. Yeah. And yeah, the, and the suburbs are wonderful. Uh, but that, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of truth in that. That uh, yeah, there's sort of a snap your finger and have it. Yeah, you can have, and, and I mean, and we have that in the city now too, right? Sure. I mean, you can, you know, you get on your phone and you can have sushi delivered in, in you know, mm-hmm. 15 minutes or whatever it is to wherever you're standing, and you yeah. can get a car to come and pick you up. So I mean, you know, there are these modern conveniences, but I still think there's something about the, about the, you know, the the way it feels to be in close proximity. You and, know, and we also we trust that the train's coming. Right. You know, we don't we don't question it. It is going to come. Yeah. You know, and so yeah, why not just listen to your podcast or yeah, yeah read the New Yorker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you had someone who was coming to New York and they were coming tomorrow and they only had like twenty four hours, so let's say uh-huh. they had three meals to eat in New York, three meals. Where would you send them? Um, where would I send them? Three meals. Uh, Mama Fuku. All right, definitely. Um, number two. Roberta's. All right. <laughs> it's right in front of me. Yep. Here we are watching, watching out the window of the studio as people eat some really, really good looking pizza. And number three is uh, Samurai Papa. Oh yeah, sure. Which I think is incredible. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, yeah. And I think that way you get a little bit of, you know, I, I, maybe I favor the Asian maybe. Yeah. But, well. but um, yeah, I think that those are three amazing spots. How about for you? Let's see. I would say, um, I would say definitely pizza of some sort. Um, I would go a little further afield just because if it was someone who didn't spend a lot of time here, I feel like, um, you know, everyone's heard of Roberta's, but I might send someone to Coney Island to Tatono's. Oh, L&B or L&B Spumoni uh, Gardens. Spumoni's a good one, too. In For sure. Oh For sure. Um, I wouldn't, you know, I have to say, I wouldn't send them to Defara's. Nothing against Defara's. However... I don't like waiting in line for stuff. And so I don't want to tell someone who's only got a short amount of time in New York to go stand in line somewhere for like three <laughs> hours. It seems like a waste of your like valuable time. It's here. like Grimaldi's part of life is yeah. just to wait. Exactly. Yeah. I don't part you of know. Being a tourist. <laughs> go to Totono's, go to L and B instead. Uh, and then I would say, uh, Peter Luger's. Oh, I mean, yeah. for just like a, a completely like honest to goodness, New York experience. <laughs> Best steak in the world. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just incredible steak in, in the, in a great environment, um, in a great spot with a, with a great story. I mean, I, the I story of that Luger. restaurant is incredible. Yeah. Uh, and then for a third one, I would say somewhere in Queens, mm-hmm. um, probably somewhere like, uh, like Street Prapai, the the Thai restaurant oh, I've that's been there, out yeah. there. Oh, it's amazing. Um, yeah. I mean, that place is incredible oh, yeah. and, and is killer food. Uh, there's also a Tibetan restaurant that I don't remember the name of that's on Roosevelt in if, like the 70s up there. When you walk, it's just, you know, Romanian. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, things you see yeah. on every... There's a Sarajevan restaurant that's by uh, Kaufman Astoria Studios. I don't know if you ever do any work there, but there's, yeah. a, there's a, a Sarajevan restaurant over there that has incredible burek. You'll see Afghan food. I mean, you just, as you walk, you'll just be like, oh my God, I've, yeah. I, you know, it's, it's incredible. 
incredible. It's like being a food tourist. Yeah. Well, I mean, hopefully, when uh, you know, when you uh, when you have your seat in Washington, you can maybe bring <laughs> bring some representatives from other parts of the country. Yeah. To it's, Staten Island or New York and do some like food tour stuff. To, um, yeah. To see this unity and yeah, exactly. In action. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that'd be really cool. I think that'd be amazing. Awesome. Well, we are just about out of time. I want to make sure that I give everybody your website. Uh, which is omarvaid.com mm-hmm. and you can go on there and you can check out uh, what Omar is you know, planning to do, uh, what his platform is. You can donate some money to the campaign. You want to talk a minute about Well, we reject all corporate money yeah. and Steve Bannon endorsed my opponent, so I need you to endorse me with 11 bucks. So that's yeah. all it is. All right. So everybody should get on there. I mean, you know, if... If it were only, I mean, I, I hope that it is so easy, right? I mean, if I could get all my friends to each pay $11 to get rid of Steve Bannon, I mean, that would be amazing, it, right? Totally it, worth it. If everyone put in 11 bucks, yeah, that would be it. There would be no big money in politics. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you can follow uh, Omar on Twitter and Instagram uh, and Facebook at Omar Vaid. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Any, and do you have any events coming up that you want to mention? The the primary is in June. It's in June. It's, we there's have no a, date for it yet, We have right? lots of time to uh, lay groundwork. And, yeah, just subscribe to our email list yeah. and get on Twitter and you'll see us. Yeah. Um, and especially if you if you live in Bay Ridge or Staten Island or you know people who do, um, definitely get the word out that, uh, you know, Omar is going to do nothing but good things for your neighborhood and for Staten Island. So That is correct. Thank you so much. Thanks thanks, for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming. That was awesome. Thanks, everybody, for listening to Feast Your Ears. Big thank you to David Tattashore for engineering the show today. You can find Feast Your Ears, as well as lots of other great shows, at heritageradionetwork.org, on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Please take a moment to like the show on iTunes and reach out if you have any questions. You can reach me via email, harry at thebrooklynkitchen.com. You can follow me on social media, at thefoodballer. Thanks very much, everyone. Talk to you next week. listening to heritage radio network food radio supported by you for our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events subscribe to our newsletter enter your email at the bottom of our website heritageradionetwork.org connect with us on facebook instagram and twitter at heritage underscore radio heritage radio network is a non-profit organization driving conversations to make the world a better fairer more delicious place And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. Thank you.